Hey everybody, welcome to Licked and Loaded. I'm Laura Desiree. And if the idea of sex tech as an industry confuses you just a little bit, if you have a hard time understanding all the components that make up sex tech in the world we live in today, well, this is the episode for you because we are nose diving deep into the industry, chatting with the thoughtful leader herself. Today's guest is the incredible thoughtful leader, Essex Noir. today SX Noir hello hello good morning yeah it does it's it's good morning even though we're a little into the afternoon here but COVID pandemic these are our days these are our days I'm actually very happy to be waking up and um, interviewing with you today it's a great start to to my week so thank you wonderful I'm so happy you're here because you fascinate me endlessly <laughs> I mean you and I met at a party in Brooklyn it was uh you know a very sexy kind of naughty happening and all I remember is sex tech you said that you, your whole realm your whole world is sex tech and that kind of you know captivated me for the rest of the, the evening mm. and I thought what the hell is that so I would love if you could give uh the viewers here and the listeners uh, just an, an idea of exactly what it is you do in the world of sex tech Oh, yes, totally. So uh, I'm SX Noir. I am the thought leader of sex technology, and that is T-H-O-T. Um, so my expertise is in the intersection of sex work and sex tech. So I navigate the many things legislatively, socially, economically that have to deal with sex technology, and my main interest being um, how sex workers navigate this. So when you ask me, what is sex tech? To me, sex technology is any technology that enhances the human experience of of sex. So when you think about it that way, it's actually incredibly massive, the industry. Um, and so I'm currently the president of the Women of Sex Tech, which is a group of women and marginalized women. Um, excuse me. Um, I'm the president of Women of Sex Tech, which is a group of women and marginalized genders who are pioneering the sex tech industry. And so the three um, axes that we kind of say that sex tech exists on is one, um, health and wellness. So this is your pharmaceuticals. This is your anything around wellness and health, your telemedicine medicine, your um, gynecology, your um, erectile dysfunction pills, um, your candles that make you feel good when you're having sex, you know, all of those kind of wellness products around your sexuality. And then, um, we have the entertainment. So entertainment is like what most people generally think of when they think of sex tech. So this is our AI, VR, um, sex robots. Um, this is where our pornography lives. This is where anything around entertainment um, exists. And so this is how I entered the industry because sex workers are entertainers. And so I started to ask questions about how the rights of sex workers in digital space navigating this entertainment in sex tech. Okay, stay with me now. We'll talk about that later. But yeah. that's kind of how I got into sex tech when anyone asked. Um, and so this entertainment level is really, really big and expansive as well. Um, this also includes video games, anything just around sex. Um, and then the last but not least is kind of our arts and culture and business. So, um, you know, the navigation of sexuality, as we know, is 
a, a very cultural thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so it navigates the art world, it navigates just kind of um, innovation within business. Like a lot of technologies that we use for our sexuality have not been invented yet. So when they are, they have to be innovated. They have to be um, crafted in such a way that actually reaches the consumer the way it needs to. So there's a lot of innovation that happens within the industry. Um, and the sex tech industry right now is currently 122 billion. No, we're not gonna play with that. For those listening, I have a puppy. So that's what that little interruption was, uh, puppy mom. Um, so the industry is a $122 billion industry, and it's the next trillion dollar tech industry that's untapped. And so when we think about how just massive it is, it gets really exciting uh, to how that we can have our piece of the pie right now. It's it's amazing. So yeah, that's kind of a, a little overview of what the sex tech industry is. It's, it's much bigger than what people think. Um, and it's often called like femtech as well, people who mm -hmm. want to separate from sex tech, which it's just all about stigma, but it's yeah. okay. We still yeah. love them. Uh, and yeah. so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where, where, how I explain it. All this puritanical belief out there doesn't want to think that sex is the area for the most development or the area uh -huh. that dictates the trends in, in consumers online. But I would say, in my opinion, in my understanding, maybe I'm just, you know, a little bit more opposed to seeing it this way, but uh, I would believe that sex is the industry that is having the most action in the tech world. Well, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And we know who built the internet? Sex. Sex built the internet. Why did the camera was invented? To capture sex. You know, so much of our technological advances are stemmed from us wanting to connect with each other sexually, mm. us wanting to enhance our human experience around sexuality. So whether that's capturing a photo, whether that's capturing a moment through a video, whether that's um, creating artwork or doing a video game or, or just straight up talking to each other on Zoom um, or dating apps, you know, yeah. there's been a 60... 60% um, increase of the usage of dating apps since COVID. Yes. Um, and so, you know, we're seeing this is real, right? We're, we're seeing that sex drives a lot of how we um, function on the internet. You know, a third of internet traffic is for porn. Yeah. So um, we have to acknowledge, we have to acknowledge how it drives innovation. And we have to acknowledge how it drives us connecting to each other. So for the people, you know, who want to say that this is negative, right? We've seen some very violent examples of this as far as like MasterCard and Visa no longer working with Pornhub and these very clear um, examples of activists wanting to use economic violence and social violence against the advancement of sex in the technology world, right? Um, and so while we can acknowledge that, we have to continue to fight, which is why I talk about the things I talk about because I like to connect these dots of people saying, well, you know, um, this isn't actually really happening. Well, it is. This is this is mm -hmm. real. The sex tech industry is real. And everybody at some point every single day touches a component of sex tech, um, yeah. regardless. And that sexuality it's not just about who you want to fuck either. It's also about all these other, your romantic connections with your um, your your boyfriend or significant other. It's about your romantic friendships. It's just about feeling good about yourself, this underlying feeling good about yourself that every single person navigates every day. When you scroll on Instagram and someone likes your photo, you that makes you feel good. And maybe, no, it doesn't like get you hard, but it does make you kind of have this little flutter. And so we have to talk about these direct... Um, these direct connections to our sexuality that we navigate in tech all the time. So, so would you say that during 
uh, this pandemic and the experience with it, there is maybe a, a change or an evolution in the attitude from the, the public and from these consumers that might be a little bit hesitant to believe that sex is as big as it is in the digital and tech realm? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. OnlyFans is the is a, the best example to see that. OnlyFans, um, like Uber and Airbnb, have transcended the concept of um, working online um, as a sex worker. OnlyFans is now, is, it's, it's a term that's used for what people have been doing in the sex industry for a while now, which is selling direct to consumer um, their videos or their products. Um, but OnlyFans grew, blew up in such popularity due to the pandemic because of so many people trying to survive um, under the capitalist culture we live in in America that it was it became almost a meme it became just another way to say I'm going to use my sexuality to advance my my likelihood yeah. my life um and so when you think about the the Beyonce verse of I'm a starter only fans right and how many that has billions of views on TikTok that sound I'm a starter only fans I'm a starter only fans has billions of views on TikToks. If you go on TikTok, you can see all these people, nurses, cashiers, all these um, tend to be women um, or queer people who were like making this kind of, it's a joke almost, but it's also actually acknowledging mm. that sex work is a way to have upward mobility and it's actually real, it's here, it's present. It's a part of our culture. So much a part of our culture that Beyonce is writing lyrics about it, that we have billions of views of these sounds, these sounds on social media, oh, that wow. when someone brings up OnlyFans, it's almost an icebreaker to start talking about some more of these intricate concepts around yes. sex work and sex. So I do think that we are navigating sexuality in ways online because we are separated and isolated from each other so yeah. it's inevitable and it's exciting to see um that needle move on the sex tech industry i mean when bumble that was huge for the sex tech industry when bumble released a, a women-owned sex tech company mm. right because dating apps is sex tech billion dollar ipo now that like these are things that are moving that social needle to say right Dating apps are something investable. This is real. This is, you know, women being in charge is, is amazing, right? So it's just proving that this is not only something socially important, but this is financially something you can invest right. in and that's um, making a big difference. It's, it's, well, it's, it's legitimate. I mean, I, I, I would hate to think that, you know, it still needs to be legitimized to people, but that's, you know, still the world that we're in, that sex work is still misunderstood and pushed yes. to the underground. It's not treated like any other industry. Uh, are, do you predict that with all of this upward motion, perhaps it might reach legislature, perhaps it might reach, uh, you know, a political opinion and a change of heart? I mean, that's the hope. Um, it, you know, it has. It absolutely has. You know, we've seen some brilliant things happen as far as legislation um, for sex workers. Um, so I work my, primarily in New York City, like primarily New York City activism and sex worker decriminalization. So what you're kind of referencing is right now we are in the fight for decriminalization of sex work in New York City. Um, we've made some amazing strides, including the repeal of the Walking Wild Trans Bill, which was a really ridiculous, horrible bill that profile transgender people, typically brown and black and brown, um, as sex workers and um, 
put them in more crossway of police, right? Which which enhanced the violence and arrest of these of these people, which is which is horrible. So we had that really big win, which is a yeah. which is part of the bigger picture of decriminalization of sex work. Yeah. And so what we say when we say decriminalization of sex work means taking away all the criminal aspects of the sex trade, right? So someone just simply doing their job won't be actively criminalized, whether that be walking on the street uh, or whether that be online. So that's kind of what I'm going to talk about in a second. Yeah. And so we want to say, well, why don't we want it legalized? Well, we don't want it legalized because legalized means regulation, which means can mean more um, law enforcement and more just kind of oppressive practices that we already experience in the sex trade, just in a regulated form. And we see examples like this in Nevada. We see examples like this within the Nordic model. Um, so you all can look up some more stuff like that about what actual sex workers are saying. Listen to what we're actually saying about these laws and legislation. So, hmm. Is, is sex technology moving the needle or decriminalization of sex work? What a question. It absolutely is. Because when we talk about we're, what we're realizing is it's actually true solidarity across these industries. So when I talk about sex industry, I am talking about sex workers. I'm talking about sex educators, sex you know writers. I'm talking about um, product designers in the sex industry. I'm talking about sex tech. And within my work, within women of sex tech, and just honestly me existing in this space, I am absolutely making sure that sex workers are in every conversation around sex um, tech because they are at the center of every single thing that's happening in the sex tech industry. Mm -hmm. And so when we see companies going, I can't advertise online because of FOSTA-SESTA. And for those listening, FOSTA-SESTA was um, a set of bills passed that just was really oppressive to the sex industry online mm -hmm. in an attempt to fight trafficking, but it actually did not. It actually hurt sex workers. And so you get these big companies going, well, oh, wait, that kind of messed up my muscle. That helped, That messed up my hustle. That messed up what I got going on. So who do I need to be listening to um, to make sure that I'm, I'm continuing the fight to help us all? And it, we see that within these big tech companies like you know the porn hubs etc um and we also see it in like television and media right like bonding on netflix perfect example the first season they fucked up the second season they were like we need to listen to sex workers um and so this is a long-winded answer but <laughs> it is it is because when you have you know sex workers are at the the um the most margins of the sex tech industry and so when sex workers aren't protected the sex tech industry cannot grow to the level it needs to mm -hmm. um and within my work i fight for the online rights of sex workers a lot because i think that that's also part of this conversations as much as it is for physical so when i talk about decriminalization of sex work it embodies sex tech because we need to decriminalize, you know, fintech. Like sex workers should not be treated differently online in economic spaces because they're sex workers. So for me, that's part of the decriminalization journey of sex workers. Um, and so I think it's just important that people in the sex tech industry, whether you're building out a product that is going to involve laborers, right? Like if you're building out an AI video game that's going to embody someone who's working on the other end, what are their rights and are they protected? And more times than not, that person's going to be someone of a marginalized identity um, entering this industry. And so that's kind of like my really nerdy answer, my really long-winded nerdy answer. That was a big question. How, how I think <laughs> yeah. sex tech is, is helping decriminalize sex work and, and kind of working together on that. Right. But we're, we're not even getting into, say, the stigma of it. Like that's, oh. like, that's just that's just legalities. The stigma yeah. is a whole other thing. I mean, it's, it's another battle to fight. Yeah. It's, it's it's hopefully 
that also starts to, uh, I guess, simmer down as the legitimacy of sex work is realized, of digital and online sex work is realized by society. 100% and like stigma plays a big role in it and again that's why I'm so loud about what I'm talking about and I feel like you know I, I got into the sex tech industry because I went to a sex technology hackathon right um wait wait, and, wait what what is that um the hell <laughs> so sex technology that? hackathon is this amazing thing where um, it was put on by Brian Cole the the founder of future of sex and the sex tech school so for the hackathon, you get together for a weekend and you have to hack out this idea. So basically you are, you have three days to bring something to consumer uh, that is a radical idea that's crazy or that's innovative or that's like, you know, moving the needle. So I came up with this website that was a competitor to Seeking Arrangements because at the time I felt like Seeking Arrangements, which is an app for mutually beneficial relationships. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like it was just really not great. It did not have the, um, the woman in mind in those apps. So anyway, I pitched this idea and I was kind of the only person in this space who was talking about sex workers. And I brought up, I'm like, hi, um, so yeah, what about sex workers? And people were like, huh, what do, you, what do they have to do with this? And I'm like, what do you mean? And then it became so clear to me that this conversation of sex workers was avoided and, and pushed down within wow. the sex industry. Wow. And so I just really wanted to um, talk about that because I truly believe that within sex tech and especially within entertainment, sex workers built those things out. When mm -hmm. we think about Tinder, sex workers built Tinder out, like as in joining it and engaging in it and building up the popularity. We see it in examples like Patreon and all these other apps that they say, yeah, sex workers come, come, come. Um, and they like to use the labor of sex workers and use the likeness of sex workers. Um, and then when it comes to, you know, when it gets some clout or authority, they, they kick sex workers out or make their terms of service incredibly discriminatory toward sex workers. So yeah, so that's kind of like, um, what a sex sex tech hackathon is and, and how I realized that the stigma around sex workers was real. It was very real. Oh, the reason why I say that is because I didn't win. I didn't place because of FOSSA SESTA. Like the judges told me, they were like, oh, because of FOSSA SESTA, we yeah. award you with it because it won't go anywhere because of the law. And I just thought, what a glaring, what a, what a, what a disappointment for the people who were in the, in the room to make choices and judgments wow. were not sex worker friendly and were not aware and, 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 and made such a bad choice. To yeah. Not so they didn't even want to touch it. They didn't, they didn't want to touch it. They didn't want to. Yeah, they they told me it was impossible. So wait, what other ideas were people throwing around at this hackathon? Like developments to sex toys? Like what? Um, so there was one, there's a few things that were kind of cool. So the other one was a kind of long distance VR app. So where you could go into a VR space and your partner could go into a VR space and you all could create this space together and then also um, pair it with like teledeldonics. So it's kind of like Minecraft with teledeldonics, which um, teledeldonics is like, um, <laughs> teledeldonics. Teledeldonics is the process of like Bluetooth connection. Like, um, so if you had a, a toy right now and I yeah. had a toy right now, you could uh, play with my toy, control my toy. Yeah, like the Lush. Like, yes. Like, like there's many. I, yeah, yeah, if I have the Lush in my asshole and you're tipping yes. me on a site, there you go. Yeah, exactly. 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 So that's 
that's teledildonics uh for those who are listening who are like what the hell is that and so it's awesome it's a it's an awesome way of uh using tech and so it was kind of like that so i could be in this vr reality as well that we kind of built together because we're like together and then you know we could play that way so that was that that kind of one um and then there was a, a few other ones that were just a bit more i guess palatable to a wider range of consumers um and that wasn't specifically sex worker focused or kind of this idea of someone making money off of it um i think that that's still very stigmatized in the sex tech industry is this idea of women monetizing off their energy um it still seems deemed as tech that shouldn't be invented which is bullshit but anyway <laughs> That's why I'm here. Yeah. More on that later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got your own podcast as well, where I'm sure people can get one hell of an education listening in. Do you want to let us know about that? Yes. And you have to come on, Laura, you're going to come well, on my podcast. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. It's called the uh, Thought Leader Pod and it is T-H-O-T Leader Pod, where we talk about sex technology. And so it is hosted by moi, SX Noir, where I just have different thought leaders or different people who are leading experts in the industry talk about their journey to sex tech. And I think the biggest question I always get is what is sex tech mm-hmm. and what is the future of sex tech? And so I kind of just like to navigate it from a very empathetic perspective of like, who are you? You know, what's your background? What's your past? Because people are like, well, how'd you get into this? And it's like, it's everyone. It's everyone in the sex tech industry. So I like to talk about that and then also kind of what they're currently working on and what they want the future to look like for technology. Um, And yeah, it's really great. I mean, there's not a lot of podcasts out there about specifically around sex technology. And so I'm just really happy to like demystify and destigmatize these conversations around sex tech and really normalize the fact that everyone navigates sex tech. Everyone does. And so let's talk about it. And then let's also talk about what we want to see in the future. So you know, it's such a, it's such a necessary conversation. I mean, that's, that's just like the most obvious fact of this whole thing, but uh, you know, how many times have I jumped on, uh, say cam four, which is where this podcast also airs. Mm -hmm. I host their, I host their happy hour, which is a, a series of different broadcasters coming together, a variety of broadcasters coming together to, you know, uh, put on an amazing show. And yeah, it's a really fun show. How many times have I heard from broadcasters individually saying, you know, I'm I'm having a hard time not being found out, and I don't. I hope I don't get doxxed. I hope that mm. you know uh, someone's starting to catch wind that I do this. And it's just, it's unbelievable because you know during this year of pandemic, it's also been such an incredible way for people to secure financials for themselves. Yeah, able to survive, and you know. People don't realize that the person at the Starbucks making their coffee has an OnlyFans. Your right. hygienist assistant has an OnlyFans. Like there's, this is such an incredibly massive thing, movement, industry. And yet we still, you know, feel that we have to walk on eggshells when discussing it or when sharing that aspect of our lives with people for fear that we don't hold legitimacy in the, the real world out there. You know, it's, it's heartbreaking. I, I've definitely had my personal experiencing with doxing and and threats and abuse and harm, um, simply from being in the industry on many intersections, right? The education, the work, the, the whole, the activism, all the different levels. And what we talked about earlier, the stigma, you know, stigma is absolutely something that kills. Stigma is something that really not only hinders our industry, but it, it hinders the emotional 
support in our industry. It's really, it's really upsetting. Um, that's also a question I like to ask on my podcast is like, what role does friendship and solidarity play in your work? Because we in the sex industry have to have community. Mm -hmm. We have to have people to talk to. We have to have people to understand what we're going through. And because of all the stigma, there may be people who navigate the sex trade who don't tell their partners, who don't tell their family in fear of true violence and fear of true retaliation. And so on the physical side, there's that. But then also on the digital side, you know, cybersecurity is very, very important. Um, and so when we talk about safety and security for sex workers or those navigating anything around sexuality online, it's really serious. But the one thing that I've learned that's been somewhat disappointing is that, you know, even if you take all the emotional measures you need to, even if you lock your account and change your passwords and do all of that, the reality is, is that the hurt, it still exists. Even if you get justice and you can fight for yourself and do all these things, it still hurts to think somebody wants to hurt me because mm -hmm. I'm in the sex industry on any level. And so I think in a, in a fucked up way, it's, it's unavoidable in some ways, de depending on what height you reach, you know, the higher, you know what they say, the higher you climb, the more people are trying to tear you down. And that's true within the visibility of online work with our, within the sex industry, the, yeah. the more visible you are, the more susceptible you are to violence. Um, and I wish that was something we could change. I, I'm hoping I'm fighting for that. Um, and it's at the root, the root of it is education um, and people understanding different realities and people's empathy, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it's scary. It's scary because I even have this conversation at Women of Sex Tech. I, I say to people joining, I'm like, even if you have nothing to do with necessarily sex work, just being in this industry puts a target on your back for harassment. Um, and it's, it's devastating. It's emotionally crushing. And so some tips we like to give are, you know, have, have a support system, have a few people that are in your, you know, your cabinet that you can call and, and, and talk to when you're feeling very vulnerable. Um, follow a few activists online who talk about kind of the things that are, are infecting you, right? So if it's cyber abuse, if it's harassment, if it's stalking, um, follow a few people who help with that. Um, so that way you're kind of constantly seeing this um, preventative harm reduction information on your timeline um, so that you're kind of just engaged in that often. So it's not as triggering if it, if, if or when it does happen to you. Um, and three, um, understand your legal recourse. So there's a lot of information out there um, and, and I can share it with you to share um, just for harm reduction practices, like knowing um, legally what you can and can't do. Um, people in the sex work in the world, it can be difficult to move forward legally for your own safety and others, but it feels good to know what rights you do have. Um, so those are like just a few things I like to share with people as, as harm reduction tactics. Um, and, and last but not least, um, if you are experiencing harassment, it is best to my own this is from my own experience. This is not professional or clinical advice, but in my experience, it was best to just be outwardly open about it to the people who know you um, and even have a one pager that says, hey, so I'm experiencing XYZ harassment. If you're contacted by this, these people or with this narrative, please ignore them or, you know, however you, um, there's some scripts out there that help of like, hey, I'm being harassed by this. These people are saying this. It's not true. Please ignore them. You know, and I apologize if this is triggering to you, but you know, this is what I'm dealing with. And I found that to be helpful for me because I didn't have to come up with the new script every time I was experiencing harassment or someone trying to dox me. And two, it just showed my very, me being very transparent around it's, this is not true. I'm aware but it's not true. And I please respect me and move forward and pass this narrative. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's upsetting though. It's upsetting to think that 
yeah, if I get on cam four, I can be a target of harassment just for existing, right? It's, it's, it's a very upsetting. Well, it's, I think this, it might need a better segue here, but I hear from so many people that operate within the realm of, of content creation and, you know, content sales, whether those are naked pictures, whether those are videos, whether those are solo videos versus you, you know, uh, uh, with another person or people. I hear this confusion of, do I identify as a sex worker or not? And a lot of people say, well, no, I'm not a sex worker. All I do is sell, you know, naked photos or all I do is sell naked videos. And then other people say, no, 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 I am a sex worker. I'm a part of this. I mean, where can we definitively say you fit within that umbrella, that beautiful red umbrella? Oh, this is such a great question. This is such a great question. And, and if anyone who's listening is like, mm, I'm wondering for myself what I am, you can be whatever the hell you want to be. When we talk about identities, right, whether it be gender, whether it be race, whether it be the different things, our work, and identifying what something typically helps with harm reduction, right? So when we, when we try to identify people as sex workers, we're trying to identify the different axes of harm they could encounter or resources or things they need, right? So for example, this comes up with sugar babies all the time, right? Is, is a sugar baby a sex worker? Is a sugar baby this, is a sugar baby that? Um, is someone doing only online work a sex worker? And again, I cannot label anyone <laughs> to tell them who they are, but the reason we do say that people um, selling content online are sex workers because they are more susceptible to things like stalking, harassment, financial discrimination, etc. Right. So therefore, to, to identify them as sex workers helps us understand what we need to be active, you know, being activists for for sex worker rights. So if you identify as a sex worker and you're being discriminated online financially, we're better able to fight for that because we have people who identify as someone who is experiencing that oppression, right? There's a very, very clear reason, and rightfully so, why someone would want to detach themselves from the term sex worker because of the incredible harm and stigma that is attached to it, period. Right. I have like a weird hobby. I love to watch. I watch a lot of TV. I love TV. And I always document whenever sex work is referenced. Yeah. Um, and just recently, like within the last two weeks, there's been one major show called Superstores on NBC and another show called Solar Opposites um, on Hulu. And both of them make jokes about sex prostitution with a kill insinuation in there there was one that was something about um most prostitutes killed in a parking lot that was a superstore and then the solar opposite said something about oh i'm just you know selling my body to men and hope they don't kill me like something like that yeah these are on major these are this is on hulu and on nbc these are major platforms with millions of people who watch this and even in 2021 we have big media joking about the death of sex workers so absolutely <laughs> there can be some hesitation for someone to say yeah i'm a sex worker yeah i, I mean right it's, so, it's insane like there's influence in our fucking media okay yeah. like uh -huh. regardless of how light and fluffy you think your fucking programming is when you put content like that in it it perpetuates yeah it allows us to keep laughing at shit like this that's not funny it's it's definitely not and it's it's scary yeah, it's scary. Can. Yeah, it's scary. And it's kind of like, so, so when people have identity crises around sex work or not, I get it. Yeah, I get it. 
And it's something that, you know, as an activist, I'm, I'm fighting so that you can proudly say, yeah, I'm a sex worker, but it's not always something um, that's a, that easy. So just to give like a really quick primer, I'm not going to nerd out, I promise, but just to talk about, no, I'm not going to nerd out, but just to talk about the, the sex trade. So um, sex work, sex work, what is sex work, right? How can, yeah, what is it? That's also part of the big question behind if someone wants to identify with it or not. So when we say sex work, um, I like to talk about the sex trade as a whole because it embodies the conversations around trafficking that is often conflated with sex work. So when we talk about the sex trade, there's there's choice, there's circumstance, um, and then there's coercion, okay? Mm-hmm. Nobody in the world wants coercion. That is what everyone in the world's fighting against is coercion and 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 in uh, the sex trade, but choice and circumstance. And so this can be applied to any kind of labor, really like trafficking labor, um, which I'll get into in a second. But so choice, coercion, circumstance. Everybody wants to choose. Circumstance is real for a lot of people and no one absolutely wants coercion. So circumstance could be Corona circumstance can be the typical cliches of paying my school bills off or paying my medical bills off. It typically has to do something has to do with something of you struggling under capitalism, right? Or paying off a dentist bill, something of this nature where it's just um, an extreme disparity of wealth mm-hmm. where you're kind of navigating the sex trade to trade up to get to have something that you need. So the reason why this is important is because it involves a conversation around coercion. Um, so coercion around labor is trafficking and sex trafficking is something that is very real. And it is something that with the decriminalization of sex work, you're actually fighting sex trafficking by supporting actual sex workers. Um, you are fighting sex trafficking. And so coercion is something that none of us want. It's something we all hate and that we're fighting against. And But it is actually real and it happens, right? Circumstance something that you're kind of, eh, you're not quite coerced, but it's a circumstance in which you need to navigate this kind of labor. And then choice, which is the what everyone wants, the person who actively chooses this labor um, and, and does it, and that's what that is. And so when we think about the cycle of criminalization around the sex trade, it's important to understand those three things because the cycle of criminalization is real. So if you get arrested for navigating the sex trade, um, you are then criminalized for your record. It is difficult to get housing. It's difficult to get employment. It's difficult to navigate higher education. And then you go right back into this cycle of, because you can get those things, you have to make up for those things. And it's this big circle, this big, big circle. Um, And so sex trafficking is real in America, but also labor trafficking around domestic and agricultural and these kind of, and and construction is also a major trafficking hub as well. So while we fight for sex sex worker decriminalization to fight um, sex trafficking, we also need to be fighting for decriminalization of just street-based workers or people experiencing um, having to make up for this economic disparity. So that was kind of quick explanation of it but like this is why some people are hesitant to not say yeah I'm a sex worker because it it adds to this conversation of like am I being coerced is this a circumstance am I actively choosing this like it it really you have to identify with so much when you say you're a sex worker so I I get I get that kind of um wanting to distance and not understanding um and being a bit complicated I mean yeah no kidding I I mean I I I can't thank you enough, SX Noir, for just having this conversation today and 
both educating and dazzling all all in one i think what you do is so incredible and inspiring thank you for for today and for of course for the viewers that are saying holy hell <laughs> yeah how go i learn more <laughs> how do they connect with you Yes. So you can follow me um, everywhere at SXNOIR. I'm SXNOIR. Um, you can also join Women of Sex Tech. So Women of Sex Tech is an organization of women and marginalized genders pioneering the sex tech industry. We offer a number of resources and community for you to enter the sex tech industry or just kind of feel held and supported if you are navigating sex and or tech on any level. Um, and my podcast is coming out. It's called Thought Leader Pod. It'll be coming out in April. And I'm in interviewing some amazing guests. We have some awesome things going on. So you can always uh, find some information out about me there. And yeah, follow your local orgs around decriminalization of sex work. You can just kind of um, use hashtags on your social medias to find that and just keep up to breast with everything that's going on. I wanted to, to show you that I still kept. Yeah! Oh, that's so beautiful. With me. This has stayed with me because this yes. was a very powerful and and iconic historic day. So oh, yeah, you know, we didn't even talk about that. You're gonna make me cry. Um, thank you so much for coming and thank supporting. You. I have your photo too. I'm gonna have to share that with you because it's so good. It's it's could. it's this is this is this is gonna be a series, okay? Good. Uh, okay. So I'm so absolutely in adoration of you. Thank you for all that you are, and thanks for uh, joining me for today. Of course. Thanks so much. <laughs> and right, everyone listening at home, I hope you enjoyed as well. We'll catch you next time here on Licked and Loaded. Bye. Licked and Loaded. Bye, y'all. <laughs>